Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. And today we're in conversation with Minister Jose Alejandro Rojas, Minister of Facilitation of Private Investments for the Presidency of the Republic of Panama. Minister Jose Rojas, welcome to the Maritime Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm uh, honored to be here. Likewise, it's an honor to have you and a great pleasure to have you here today. I think as our listeners know, Panama plays an extremely important role in the world of maritime. It's the world's largest ship registry and sits at the crossroads of enabling trade between East and West. Today, we're going to be talking to Minister Jose Rosas about the investment opportunities that Panama affords in the maritime and logistics sectors. So, by way of introduction for our listeners, could you explain what the Strategic Secretary for Development and Competitiveness under the Ministry of the Presidency, why it was set up and what its function is? Sure. Our Secretariat was created in order to be a coordinating body between different state institutions on issues of competitiveness, and most of them involving public policy. The Secretariat is divided into three units. One is a unit for facilitating private investments. The other is a unit for international services. And the other is a unit for logistics matter. This unit of logistics matter is through where the logistics cabinet is coordinated. The logistics cabinet is a a body composed of almost all ministers that need to deal with logistics, you know, roads, maritime, even includes collaboration with the Panama Canal and also with the private sector. And the idea is to work in an integrated manner on all plans, programs that have to deal with the 2030 National Logistics Strategy. This is a body where the public and private sector work together on this National Logistics Strategy in order to make important advances on logistics and competitiveness. Okay, so you're covering a very sort of broad range there, both land and sea, and the whole logistics chain. You yourself come from the private sector. With this team, how are the goals of bringing together the private sector and the public objectives of that 2030 plan? I mean, the first part is to have a very clear plan. Laurentino Cortizo's administration has been in place for two years. Instead of us changing the national logistics strategy, we built on what was already done in order to have long-term public policy. So that was the first part, not to change the strategy, not to change the plan. Through that strategy and that plan is that the private sector kept working on. So it's been very institutional. It has been independent on the political administration, and it has been more on what is the vision of where we want to take Panama. Because of that, then we narrowed down all the activities that needed to be done in the different institutions in a very dynamic way so that it can be reprioritized, but working together between the public and private sector. Okay, so you've got those goals there. Can you explain a bit about what sort of goals that have been set specifically for the Secretariat and what you've achieved so far? The most important thing is that we have many of the infrastructure is in place from a physical standpoint. I mean, Panama has really been a hub for the last 500 years. You know, it was here in Panama where the Pacific Ocean was first discovered for the Western world. 
okay? And when you put in together all these institutions from the public and private sectors that are part of this logistics hub, we have the Panama Canal, we have the five ports, we have the free trade zones, railroad, the dry canal that connects ocean to ocean in 45 minutes. And then you have the aspect, the air cargo of the airports. So in all these institutions, infrastructure itself has been built. What needs to be really improved is on all processes that deal with the trade between all these institutions and the regulator ones, such as customs. So we work very hard, and our main focus is working on simplifying, standardizing, digitalizing, and the interoperability of these processes and systems. And that's where we have been focused, and and we have had some cases that further on detail you on these initiatives that are creating a great impact on our logistics sector. Yeah, obviously Panama does have that long history and you've got all that infrastructure in place. So this is very much about the process side of things. Is it also about attracting investment into the maritime logistics sector as well? Or is that already there with that infrastructure you just talked about? Well, yes. As you said, Panama has had a long tradition as a maritime hub. And, you know, we have worked very hard on facilitating investments through the creation and sustenance of generating an attractive environment in which there's a legal security and that the free enterprise is an important player on the logistics sector. We were one of the first countries in Latin America to privatize its ports through concessions. And the Panama port system has been the most important and biggest one in Latin America, despite being such a small country. And most of our focus is on the development of value-added logistics and work closely so that we can link all the different players on our logistics and transport sector. So we have some examples, for instance, we have what we call the EMA law, which is multinational for manufacturing incentive law, in which we have tax, labor, and immigration incentives so that we can start also generating value on on the cargo that goes through the Panama Canal. Minister, obviously the last 18 months have been a tough environment, I think, for everybody in the entire world with the pandemic. Are there sort of some notable successes, though, in terms of investment that you can tell listeners about? Uh, I think one of the things I've heard about is the in-customs logistics zones at the ports, for example. There have been some important investments inside the ports because of this in-customs logistics decree. You know, it allows to do other services that before couldn't be done, such as cross-docking. Also, as I was saying during the lockdown, the utilization of institutional process became an essential engine. And Panama, during the pandemic, increased transshipments by over 8%, even though for three months we had the railroad couldn't operate because of, of an accident. And even though we had significant increases, this year we believe that we're going to surpass them. And many of it had to do also because our port system was never closed. We had the best health protocols in the region and significant investments has been done on the digitalization aspects, which has reduced then customs processing time in some points up to 40%. 
An example is also, there's a project we call VUMPA. In Spanish, would be Ventanilla Única Marítima de Panama, which is a, a project that's together with the Panama Canal. Before, what we used to have is that when the ship would come to port, we would have up until almost a dozen institutions getting inside the ship to make revisions. Now, we do one single revision based on information that's submitted two days beforehand with a laptop or computer. That single inspection has reduced shipping hours to around 6,000 hours annually and over 600,000 forms. So that's kind of the competitiveness that we're working on. By the government facilitating that, then our port system has become much more competitive. And it's part, as I, I was saying, of the 2030 logistics strategy. That reduction in the paperwork side of that with the forms is quite phenomenal because it's something that ship owners complain about constantly around the world is that they have multiple different inspection forms, all of which basically just repeat the same information over and over again. Yes, and I'll give you another example because of public policy. We have Law 32 of free zones. During the pandemic, seven new free zones, many of them dealing with value added on, for instance, the food sector, have been established or in the process of being established. They were approved. More than 10,000 jobs will be created because of these private investments generated because of good public policy. We're also working on modernizing the Colón Free Zone. The Colón Free Zone has existed for over 70 years. So we have Panama Pacifico, which is a free zone on the Pacific side. It's privately managed. So what we're doing is modernizing many of these aspects on the Panama Pacifico regime and applying them to the Colón Free Trade Zone so that Colón Free Trade Zone can modernize itself. So in this sense, you're very much becoming both a hub for shipping, but also in terms of sort of manufacturing and logistics for the region. Would that be correct to say? Yes, sir. I mean, as I was saying, we're working very hard on generating value. We don't only want to have a maritime and logistics hub, but we want to focus also on the opportunities regarding generating value. And because we all know that there are some geopolitical situations happening in the world, and COVID has impacted and changed the way we look at supply chains. You know, the last 20 to 30 years, more 30 than 20, we have been creating these huge, long supply chains that go all the way from Asia to Europe or from Asia to the US. Now the changes have been accelerated and we're talking every time more because of COVID of nearshoring. So we believe that because of our logistics hub. And we believe because over 23 trade agreements we have in place with countries such as Korea or the US or the European Union or the UK, Israel. So because of these free trade agreement zones, we have the commercial advantage of bringing in cheaper material, mixing it up with material from Panama, generating value, generate economies of scale, and then utilizing that public policy of multinational manufacturing companies that has these incentives, legal, immigration, and labor incentives, and then use that first world logistics infrastructure in our hub, which we're improving 
by simplifying, standardizing, digitalizing, and having that interoperability of the system to then export more competitively precisely because of the free trade agreement. So we believe that we can be an important player in the region on nearshoring, understanding that it's not that the long supply chains will be replaced. What nearshoring is going to do is that it's going to complement these long supply chains so that we can have, you know, in this era of customer obsessiveness, shorter lead times, which will increase sales, but also reduce inventory management and hence free up cash flow. Minister, you mentioned that trend of nearshoring. It's something we've heard a lot about in the last 18 months. And I think from a shipping perspective, it's something that obviously is a lot of interest. So that is something you are seeing happening in Panama, that nearshoring with sort of production being shifted closer to the markets where people are buying. Definitely. We're pushing hard on it and we're creating the conditions through these free trade agreements and through the multinational manufacturing law and through the constant simplification, standardization, digitalization, and interoperability of processes that's part of our 2030 logistics strategy. Are you able to tell our listeners a little bit about the types of industry that you're attracting in with this? Well, if we're looking at the maritime and logistics, we're going to open a public bid for a concession in the port of Puerto Armuelles and also Aguadulce. A lot of it more focused on agro. We have uh, also a law of agro parks that gives some incentives. So we believe that there's going to be opportunities for generating integration between ports and industries so that they become one area and you don't have to go through customs to get out of the port and then to get into the free zone, but having more integrated areas of value added close to ports. We are also going to open up a concession in the next year for a shipyard in the Pacific that used to be part of the Panama Canal many years ago. We also believe that there's an opportunity on bulk trading. We're working very hard also on transforming and transitioning, having an energy transition that it's part of our energy transition strategy to have a more of a clean carbon footprint. Panama is uh, nowadays positioned itself as one of the top five countries and changes on carbon footprint. One example is that we are changing the energy matrix getting out all bunker for energy generation on what we call firm capacity. And we're transforming that to natural gas. We already have a 400 mega power plant and the president announced a month ago, a 670 mega firm capacity power plant. So we believe that by 2024, we will be out of bunker in energy and on firm capacity, natural gas. And by doing that, then we're generating a very clear vision to where we want to go as a country on energy. And now we're seeing a lot of clean and renewable energy investments being done. Only one of the energy projects have investments for a billion dollars from the private sector. It's actually some sort of public-private partnership as a state has 25% of it. And that's very important because we believe that we have all the conditions to be an energy hub at least for the Central American region, by having this type of investments. So that's an opportunity for investment. Another opportunity for investments is that we are 
changing many of our projects. All countries are going to have budget limitations because of the economy. The GDP has been affected. And two, the tax revenue has been affected. So we're looking at over $4 billion of infrastructure projects that the financial model was changed so that we're using budget space of the future to build in the present and have a counter-cyclical impact on the economy. So between the turnkey projects that restructure financially and public-private partnership projects, we have over a $6 billion opportunity. We're also working hard on generating opportunities for more private investors, so more citizens, because the corporate investments take more time and we want to have a quick impact. So in the last months, we have approved two decrees. One is for digital nomads, so that if someone earns over $3,000 outside of Panama, they can live in Panama for 18 months. And two, qualified investor program, either on real estate and or the stock exchange. So we're working very hard on public policy for corporate matters, which includes competitiveness on incentives, but also for the citizens, because we believe that we have a country that offers many opportunities, many natural beauties, but also has the economic substance for doing business and managing the businesses from Panama. There's a lot to unpack there. There was a lot of different aspects to what you explained there. Digital nomad policy was a, a one that's uh, quite interesting. I don't think I've heard of something quite like that before. Just coming back more specifically to an earlier part of your answer, you mentioned their terminals, um, shipyard, and so forth. Are these uh, specific investment opportunities that sort of international investors in the maritime sector can bid for, get involved in? Without a doubt. They're going to be international public bids, and we welcome uh, prestigious international companies in the sector to get involved with them. Okay. Are, are these at the stage of being uh, the bidding going forward yet, or what stage are we at with these? They're going to be done in the next year, but there's other opportunities for other players that are looking at the Panama Canal, for instance, and this goes a little bit away from maritime itself, but the way corporations are integrated and taking into consideration that the importance of the Panama Canal and its future as a major trade player, there's also a $2 billion opportunity on increasing the water availability for the Panama Canal, which is very important because as you know, our canal runs on fresh water. So having those investments also generate the opportunity not to decrease capacity, one, and two, to sustain it in the future. Yeah, that's actually a project that uh, we have been writing about on Sea Trade Maritime News, that, that particular one. And you mentioned the energy transition there. So if I understood you correctly, you're looking to supply LNG, natural gas, as a fuel to ships, which is a sort of growing trend in the industry. Is that correct? Definitely. With this new LNG facilities that are on the Atlantic, we believe that there's an opportunity for us to be a player on LNG and you know, complying with IMO 2020 regulations. And we believe that there's an opportunity for us to be a player on LNG. Presumably, that would involve people like the bunker suppliers, many of whom are already present and quite active in Panama. 
Definitely. Uh, around 24% of, of cana- uh, ships that go through a Panama Canal bunker in Panama, we're constantly looking at how we can expand that market and having these LNG facilities next to the Panama Canal. And, you know, it will give us a competitiveness there to keep growing on that sector in the future. Yeah, that's great. Obviously, with great importance to ship owners, knowing, you know, that security of supply for fuel. You've covered a lot of ground, a huge volume of investment opportunities available in Panama. Just to really round up, what's next? Well, I mean, we'll continue on our efforts on making Panama the business hub of Latin America. We are working very hard on having the correct public policies in order to foster that investment. I hadn't mentioned that only in the pandemia, over 25 multinational companies have established their headquarters here in Panama to manage other Latin American operations, and in some cases, for all the continent. We're going to keep working very hard, and our main focus is going to be on simplifying, standardizing, and digitalizing all processes specifically, where we see that there's the biggest opportunity and area of impact is on everything related to the logistics hub. All of these are valuable aspects when it comes to attracting foreign investment, keeping in mind It's not only about quantity of investment, but also the quality of investment. We want to consolidate by digitalizing aspects. We believe that we can consolidate as a more transparent platform. We understand that uh, big corporations want to do business in uh, transparent jurisdictions uh, that has ease of doing business. So we're going to keep working on consolidating Panama as a hub of hubs, a logistics hub, a hub of business and services a hub of communicating people through our airports, an energy hub, a technology hub, and also a value-added hub. So we really thank you for this opportunity. And on behalf of the president of Panama, we welcome you to our country. Thank you very much uh, for taking the time today. I I really love that description of a hub of hubs. I think that sounds a, a, a great vision there. I'd just like to thank you so much for taking the time today, Minister Jose Alejandro Rojas and we look forward to speaking to you again in the future to find out how things have progressed. Thank you very much, sir.